Spotify. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning from Rick Bonfam Ministries. It's Friday morning and we have been busy all week getting ready for Rekindle the Flame, which is rescheduled for September 23rd through the 27th. And it's humming again around our office. <laughs> if we thought we had a little low time, that time is over because we are really, um, we're really busy getting ready for Rekindle the Flame. So go on our website at ladderrain.com and you can register yourself there. We want to see that you're coming and we're just really looking forward to it and blessed to know that we're going to have Rekindle the Flame this year at Mount Bethel United Methodist Church in Marietta, Georgia. Kathy just walked in. Hi, Kathy. You look pretty today. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> I tried too. <laughs> um, we are in John chapter 15, a most beloved, blessed chapter. And here Jesus declares, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is one of the I am statements of Jesus in John. When he says, I am the true vine. As I look at that, my head just goes like six different directions. There's just so much we could look at and explore in this um, that you just have to pick one because <laughs> we have a 30-minute Bible study. But the first thing I thought when he said, I am, declaring himself, of course, to be God, I am the true vine, my first thought was, there are many vines out there you can attach yourself to. There are many vines, or a vine, what is a vine? It's a source of life, right? It, it contains sap, it contains nutrients, it contains water. So things grow off of a vine if, if it's doing its job. Things like leaves and things like fruit and berries. So there's, there's many vines out there we could attach ourselves to. You could say, well, my vine is my family line. That's where I'm attached. Uh, that's where I get my, my sense of who I am. That's where I get my strength, my everything. Uh, you could say, the race I belong to. That's where I identify. That's, that's big in our country right now. A lot of people are attaching themselves to that above every other vine. <laughs> that's the one. That's how they're identifying you could say that my, my religious beliefs, that's, that's my vine. I'm Catholic, I'm Protestant, I'm this, I'm that. That's, um, you could say your patriotism, your devotion to your nation. I am, this is my vine. I'm an American. Um, or within things like that, you could say I'm liberal, I'm conservative. You know, this is what directs my life. So a vine is, is, some, is what is your root what is your source? What gives you your identity? What defines your life purpose? And again, Jesus said, I 
hello, over here, I am the true vine. But he is very aware there are many vines out there we can decide to choose to attach ourselves to instead of him. But Jesus said, if you want the true vine, it's me. And he is speaking prophetically. We've been talking for months now about the prophetic. Everything Jesus said, everything he did was underlaid with prophetic that had already been foretold by the prophets so that when he spoke these things, when he did these things, he should have, by discerning eyes, be recognized as the fulfillment of that, those prophetic words, as the Messiah. So we see back in Isaiah um, similar language that identifies Jesus as the true vine. And I'm going to go ahead and just read that to us. Isaiah 11, 1 through 6, it says, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Shoot means, um, it, the word in Hebrew is netzer, and it just means a little shoot that comes up out of the ground. That's where we get the word netzer is the word that Nazareth comes out of. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Who is Jesse? The son, the father of David. So it's out of the house and lineage of David. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decision by what his ears hear. Do you hear Jesus' words ringing here? He's told the disciples this just a few chapters ago. I don't judge, but I do whatever my Father tells me. I don't make a decision on my own, but I do only as I hear the Father. So all of this is prophetic, pointing to Jesus as this this shoot, this branch, this vine. But with righteousness, verse 4, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Now, I've told you about Old Testament prophecy, how it can be, can be um, switched from his first coming to his second coming by a comma. And that has just happened. We talked about him coming. He's a shoot from the stem of Jesse, which refers to his birth, his genealogy. Jesse was the father of David. David had a house and lineage of 400 years. And then eventually Mary and Joseph came out of the house and lineage of David and gave, brought forth Jesus. So that talks of his first coming. Now we have a comma here after, or a semicolon after verse 3. And we go to the next mountaintop, which refers to his second coming. With righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Hallelujah. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little boy will lead them. All of this comes out of the branch. It starts with his lineage and it goes clear to, let me um, also read verses 11 and 12. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people who will remain. 
and he will lift up a standard for the nations and will assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So it goes all the way back. This branch, will, his lineage, he will come from Jesse and the household of David all the way to the gathering of all believers, all who have joined themselves to this true vine, this branch. This branch is also spoken of in, by Paul in Romans 11, and there's lots we could do with that, but I'm just going to read one verse, Romans 11:16. Um, I think I picked the right one. Yes, and if the first piece of dough be holy, the lump is also, and if the root be holy, the branches are too. Jesus is the root, the branches are us. And Paul goes on to expound on there are the natural branches, the Jewish people to whom Jesus was born in his humanity. He came through the, through the line of David. He was born a Jewish boy, and he came to his own people first, the Jews, his biological brethren. But then there are the wild branches, which are the Gentiles, which he gave the opportunity to be grafted into the root, right? Um, and in the end, this scripture says in Romans 11, I'm just summarizing it just for the sake of time, that the Jewish remnant, those that are left after all the God puts them through to finally bring them back to faith in him, the Jewish remnant and those, the fullness of the Gentiles, all the Gentiles who have joined themselves to this root will be made one, will be grafted in. Could you explain to those of us who are, uh, you know, not learned theologically and have no understanding of it like somebody in China, what do you mean by grafted? Grafted is when um, it's a horticultural thing. Uh, I don't know how to do it, but our, our old intern, Tay-Tay, had a roommate who was a horticulturist, and he used to do this. He would take one kind of tomato, and then he would take a different kind of tomato, and he would take a branch of that other tomato, make a slit in the first tomato, and stick the <coughs> second tomato branch in and they would grow together and they would produce a whole new kind of tomato. It's called a hybrid. They would combine their DNA and produce something new and Paul calls that one new man because the Jews are the natural tomato. <laughs> they are the natural vine. <clears throat> Jesus, get, But the Gentiles are grafted in and we will become one new people, one now, new man. Now in eternity... Okay. You got to be Jew or can you be a grafted one or in eternity we are one new man. We are all there is neither Jew nor Gentile. <clears throat> there are only those who are joined to the vine. Rick, you came in late. We are talking about Jesus claiming I am the true vine. I'm trying to make sure that people understand what you're saying. Okay. Because this principle of grafting it's just not uh, that common to people that come right. to Christ earlier. Right, right. But that he came as a Jew, and many Jews had the idea that the Messiah was for them only. In fact, they were so offended that Jesus would um, insinuate that Gentiles could be brought into this wonderful redemptive plan of God that sometimes they tried to kill him for it. So this is a principle through Scripture that Gentiles can be brought into this family line of the the Jewish Messiah it's much more and than his grafted. redemption. Uh, 
It's much more than grafted. I mean, the concept here is that through the cross, we become equal. Yes. Jews and Gentiles are the same when it comes to putting their trust in Jesus. Now, if you're grafted or not, if you're a Jew or not, if you receive Christ as your Savior, you're in. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much. So let's not lose the point. Jesus is the vine we want to be grafted into. There's a lot of different vines out there you can attach yourself to and say, this is who I am, this is where I get my source, this is where I get my salvation, this is where I get my identity. But Jesus said, I'm the one, Jew, Gentile, whatever nation you belong to, you need to connect yourself to. And and I need to be the one who is your source, supplies your life, gives you nourishment. Then he says in... um, He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Or you could say, is the owner. Because he's giving an analogy that the people of his day would understand. Vineyards were everywhere in Israel. So he said, I am the true vine. My father owns the vineyard. He established this this vine, this branch. He established this family, all who will be connected all the little leaves and branches and fruit that will be connected to this vine. My father owns this vineyard. So we're talking here about identity. And I have a question for you right off the bat, just based on what we've already talked about. Are you connected? Do you feel like today, at this moment in your life, when you think of yourself and how you get your identity, your identity, your worth, your source, your strength for each day. Are you, is that defined by being connected and dependent on Jesus above all else? Or are you connecting to, this is my race, this is my politics, this is my country, this is my uh, family? This is the first question we need to ask ourselves as we look at that. Are we connected to the true vine? Or have we chosen to connect ourselves to something else and try to draw the sustenance and strength and source that we need? So that's our first question. The second, John, you want to say something? Please. Um, It seems to me that most people, most Christians, sort of uh, try to do Both. both at the same time. And it's just a, it's, it, that you know. Later, Jesus will talk about trimming. You yeah, know, about um, trimming. Yeah, I'm getting yet. into that. But, but that's <coughs> just a, you know. So it's a struggle. It's a, it's a struggle with Christians to, to not constantly be looking towards the worldly vines or the family vines. I mean, that, that's just a, that's just life. You that's know? just life. Right now, I'm having a real hard time. You know, I'm a grandma, and that's my new thing. Amen. So you know, Amen. that could just become. That's it. That's my identity, you know. Um, <clears throat> but we have to, as John says, keep coming back to say, yes, there's that and there's that. And it's not that those things are not important and that they're not even God-given. But what is the source of your identity, the focus of your identity? Because all of those things can be taken away. All those things can change. But there is only one vine, true vine. <laughs> that can never change, can never be taken away, that you connect yourself to and say, I have identity and purpose and being in this line, right? So that has to do with identity. 
Next, we're going to talk about movement. What happens when you're one of these that are connected to this vine? Do you just sit there? <laughs> Do you just hang there like a little tomato? <coughs> this is where <coughs> we're going to get into what Jesus wants to happen to those who are connected to this vine. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. So he speaks of fruit, more fruit, much fruit. He has an expectation here of movement, doesn't he? Of growth, of expansion. If you are connected to this true vine, you should expect this in your life. Um, And then he tells us exactly what this process, what this movement consists of. Basically two things, pruning and discipline. Both pruning and discipline are painful, but they are very different. And I want to define both for you and help you discern in your own life where God may be pruning you and where God may be disciplining you and help you distinguish the difference. Um, Discipline has to do with dealing with sin, dealing with the stuff that interferes, dealing with the stuff that, that gets in between us and that connection that he wants us to have, just firmly connected to the vine. And that is uh, Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. John write, or Paul writes about that. <clears throat> Sorry about my voice, story of my life. Yeah, Hebrews 12. Um, yes, please. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have not fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And Sorry, I read that sentence wrong. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Spirit, to the Father of spirits, and live? For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. But He, for our own, for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Amen. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Amen. Excellent. Good King James there. <laughs> so we have words like chastening, correction. My scriptures, uh, my, my version says discipline. Now, chastening, correction, and discipline, Paul makes clear, guarantees that the fact that you are a child of God. If you're not being chastened by God, you're not a true son. He says it straight out. You are illegitimate. Or the King James says, bastard. (laughs) Um, So actually, 
We think, oh, discipline, that's a bad thing. Oh, God, I don't want you to discipline me. Now, remember, we're talking about movement. When you are connected to the true vine and God wants to produce fruit, more fruit and much fruit, there are, there are things that have to happen, and one of them is discipline. And we say, oh, no, that doesn't sound good. Please, I don't want to have to be disciplined. But verse 10 says, he disciplines us for our good. So I want you right now, this minute, to separate in your mind discipline from punishment. Okay? Discipline is not because he's mad, sad, upset with you. It is why? Because that we may be partakers of his holiness. It's more like a personal trainer, really, who says, okay, I see you can do five push-ups, but I believe in eventually in a few months you can do 50. We're going to have a discipline here. We are going to remove that I can't do it, that fragility, that um, low self-esteem, that wrong thinking, whatever is in you that makes you think you can't be fit and you can't be strong. It's like a personal trainer coming along saying, I'm going to discipline you into a bet, to better habits, better way of living for your good. It is not punishment because he says clearly he does it for our good because we are our children. And if our own fathers wanted to do things for our good to make us better people, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to discipline us, coach us, train us? Okay? So discipline is training that brings us into obedience to who God wants us to be. It, it can be painful. It can be hurt. It can hurt. But let me ask you a question. Would you rather really honestly in your heart, would you rather God just let you be exactly as you are for the rest of your life? No. Or would you rather he tell you, fix yourself. I'm just going to be hands off. You, you get yourself together. No. Neither of these are preferable, are they? His discipline is his love. So I want you today, if you don't hear anything else, if you have equated discipline with punishment, separate those right now. God is not punishing you. He makes that clear in verse 3 back in um, John 15. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So he's not talking about you've got a bunch of sin in the way. He says you're already clean. You have all re- The cross has already done its work in your life. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about discipline which builds you up like a personal trainer and sometimes there is sin in our lives that he's the discipline is getting out but that is just it's already forgiven by the cross it just needs to get broken it's whole just needs to get broken amen i don't know if i said that well or not okay the second movement that happens in order to have fruit more fruit and much fruit is pruning and pruning, pruning it actually happens not because there's a weakness and frailty and inability. It happens because there is fruit already. But God says there can be even more fruit. Um, and that's a law of nature. And again, Rick, I'm not a horticulturist, so I can't explain all this and why it works. But people who are farmers, people who have fruit orchards, they understand this principle that 
if you have fruit trees or even perennials like flowers that come back year after year, if you cut them back every year seasonally, if you cut them back, the next year they're going to grow more and they're going to produce more. I remember I used to have in my yard perennial flowers that would come back from the ground every year and at the end of the fall I would cut them down to nothing and it just looked like they're dead. And the next spring they came back twice as thick. So that's the concept of pruning. It's a seasonal thing and it needs to be experienced by every true believer who is connected to the vine. So you're going along and you've got a little ministry and you're doing some work for God and you're seeing some little results and then all of a sudden, whack! It just seems like God comes and he pulls the rug out from under you. (laughs) He changes things up. Um, Suddenly, where you were strong and confident, you're feeling like, what? I feel weak and overwhelmed. He, he changes your job description. <laughs> he thrusts you into a ministry or a call that you're like, I don't know how to do this. This is, this is not comfortable for me. Um, or he may ask you to give up something that you thought, hey, this was pretty good. And he says, give that up. Lay that aside. I have something else for you. This is pruning, folks. And, you're, and again, if you think that's punishment, You're as wrong as wrong can be. God is not punishing. He is pruning. Sometimes he is saying, you need to prune some relationships. You need to prune some of the things that you were doing that was good, but I want to move you from good to excellent. So you need to let that thing go that you think is so important to you because I have something else for you. And it's a cutting away. I have endless stories of being pruned. <laughs> I could talk for an hour about times I thought, hey, this is I'm just in the groove, and then God comes and whack, nope, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do this instead. And I felt like, what? Did I do a bad job? Am I being punished? Is God not pleased? No. He's, he's, actually, he's actually promoting me. He wants me to bear more fruit in a different way. So again, just like discipline, it can hurt. But we ask the wrong question when this happens, when we say, well, what did I do wrong? Actually, you did something right. <laughs> Pruning is something that um, in, both in the natural with plants and fruit trees and in the spiritual, it is something that causes the branch to produce even more fruit. So I just want to speak to you. Some of you right now are feeling God's discipline. He's dealing with some stuff in your life where he says, you're doing five push-ups, but I want you to do 50. (laughs) I want to to train you to be stronger and to be better and um, more confident and just just more of that sap, more of that strength flowing in. Some of you are in a place where you are noticing God's pruning. Like, hey, I was doing this and it was all going well and it seems like God's taken it all away. He's cut it off. Please, I, I want you to hear me today. Don't go to that thought, oh, I must be bad. I'm a failure. God's upset with me. Recognize God's dealings with us for our good. Um, 
and the focus. I'm running out of time. But Jesus tells us, how can we stay in the right state of mind when this stuff is going on, when we are being disciplined and when we are being pruned? And believe me, if you're not being disciplined and pruned on a regular basis, that means you're just static, and that's not good, right? But it still, it doesn't feel good. So Jesus gives us the answer, the counsel. How, how can I get through these times of discipline and these times of pruning? Verse 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, abide. I have, over the years of studying this, I have four words that describe what it means to abide. The first one is surrender. In other words, be patient and yield to the process. Because God knows what he's doing. John yesterday gave a great teaching. He said the relationship with God is dynamic. It's always changing. There's fruitful times and dormant times. There's sunshiny times and rainy times. There's strong times. There's weak times. There's seasons. There's changes. There's movement. In all of that, be patient. Yield to what God is doing and know he knows what he's doing. Okay, the second one is stay, remain, persevere. When you feel the discipline and the pruning, you want to run. <laughs> but to abide is just to say, I'm just going to stay put. I don't know what God's doing with me, but I'm not going to move. I'm going to stay connected to the vine and hang in here. Okay, he said, abide in me. So the third definition of what abide means is focus on him. Meaning, the branch cannot fix itself. The branch cannot sanctify itself. He's really not asking you to do anything to improve yourself. He's just saying, just come to me and just stay with me. The sap, the nutrient, the strength of the vine is what keeps the branch alive. You can't manufacture of yourself. The vine pours it into you. So focus on him instead of you and what you think you ought to be doing differently. And just let him, the vine dresser who knows what he's doing because he's a professional, just let him do it. And finally, the fourth part of abiding is rest. And that's Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. Matt, you've got that. We're going to wrap up here in two minutes. Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God, who enters, for he who has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, so as God did from his. Own, from his. Okay. So he urges us as we go through this process, look, we're just the vine. He's the professional. He's the vine dresser. What are you? You're a little vine. You're a little branch. Just just rest in him. Let him do his work. He is faithful. And I have a story about this, and I think it's worth sharing, so I'm going to take the minute. Kathy and I were in Brazil. We were both reading books about um, 
heroes of the faith. And I was into my book on George Mueller. And we were joking because we were saying we had a crush on these old dead guys, right, Kathy? Just just loved who they were. As <clears throat> and so I had read this section about George Mueller's biography and how he came to this place of learning to just abide in Jesus and know that God provided for his every need and he didn't need to strive over it. And Kathy and I were sitting in the dining room at the mission. If those of you have been there, you can imagine, you can picture that place. You're sitting there in the, in the dining room. You look out and there's this huge mango tree. And I pointed to that tree and I said, Kathy, look at that leaf over there. I said, that's me. I'm that little leaf. I said, that, that's me. I said, Jesus is the, the little branch that I'm hanging on. Jesus is the big limb that that branch comes off of. Jesus is the tree, the trunk. Jesus is the roots. Jesus is even the soil. Jesus is the water. And Jesus is the sunshine and the rain that comes down. I don't have to be any of that. All I have to do is be that little leaf. All I have to do is abide. Just hang on him. He's the vine. He's done it all. Remember that day, Kathy? There's joy when you realize that's all you are. You are a leaf. And you hang on to him and he provides the sap, the nutrients, the sun, the water, everything. So the goal is stated, I'm going to close with this in verse 5. He who abides in me, you'll just be that little leaf and just hang on. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. That's the goal. We can do a little good, but we can never bear much fruit apart from Jesus. And I remember you telling me how that had transformed his walk with God because he used to get to the end of the day and he would just be so, oh my goodness, I failed so much. Like here's a list of everything I did. And after he had that revelation, um, I remember you telling me that people noticed this huge change. He was full of joy. Yes. He he rested better. He slept better. He, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you've been content with a little, you know, I've been doing these little things for God and I hope that's good enough. But I just want you to know today that God wants lots and lots and lots of fruit from you, more than you can imagine. But he has told us clearly here that it's not up to you to manufacture it. He's told us clearly here the way that it happens. And if we submit to it, we get that revelation, as Kathy said, great joy comes in recognizing it's he's the vine dresser, he's the professional, it's his work, not ours. So God bless you. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday morning at 9. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 
visit www.ladderan.com for more teaching. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.